Will you pray with me? Oh Lord, we come to you this morning with all kinds of expectations and hopes. Open our ears to your word this morning that we might come to know you better. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Well, my husband had to go with our granddaughter out there because I think he's embarrassed about the story I'm going to share. <laughs> Many years ago, Mark and I were going to a concert down at Heck Edmondson Pavilion down at the University of Washington, and it was pretty awesome because we were going to see Paul Stuckey and Arlo Guthrie, which had been around a long time before then, so just so you know. But we were late, and we were hungry, so we stopped and we picked up some burgers and fries on the way, and we brought them in with us, and we had seats right down on the floor, right down in front so we walk in with our burger and fries right up this long center aisle and we get to our seats and we start munching and the person up on the stage started introducing this concert and he shared how it was a benefit for global poverty and hunger <laughs> and he was commending all those who had attended for fasting all day long <laughs> in solidarity with the poor as the smell of our greasy fast food wafted away. <laughs> okay, it was embarrassing. <laughs> we came expecting a concert to hear some great music and to have a good time. <laughs> you missed it, Mark. <laughs> but there was a much bigger story going on with what was happening around us. Something much more significant was occurring than we could have ever imagined. So our text today is traditionally called the triumphal entry. And we'll see that who Jesus was and is, is much bigger and more significant than the people of Jerusalem could ever have imagined. But he's also can be different than our expectations too. So, will you please stand in honor of God's word today, and we're going to read our scripture. I'll be reading from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed the cloaks over them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest heaven. 
And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. The whole city of Jerusalem was stirred. It was in turmoil, in an uproar. Who is this? Matthew, the writer of this gospel, he gives us all kinds of clues to who this is. He begins by setting the scene, saying he was on the Mount of Olives. In Zechariah 14.4, it says, On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. So the Jews had always connected Mount of Olives to the coming Messiah. Right out of the gate in the passage, Matthew is saying, here he is, the Messiah you've been waiting for. And then Jesus sends his two disciples up to the village ahead to get a donkey and her colt. If someone asks them, what are you doing? Why are you taking my donkeys? They're to tell them the Lord needs them. And of course, it happens, just as he said. And people, they argue over whether Jesus had just planned this ahead of time or whether it's expressing his wisdom and sovereignty. But Matthew makes it clear what was really important here is that this fulfills scripture. He quotes Zechariah 9.9, Say to the daughter Zion, which just means the people of Jerusalem, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, it's notable that Matthew leaves out a phrase that was in Zechariah. Zechariah says, see, your king comes to you, triumphant and victorious, humble, riding on a donkey. Matthew is not stressing a triumphal entry. He is stressing that Jesus is gentle and lowly and humble. Alexander the Great came into Jerusalem some 300 years earlier on a mighty war horse. (laughs) Jesus enters on a donkey, fulfilling the scripture, showing that he was the awaited Messiah. People of Jerusalem, your Messiah has come. Here he is. But he doesn't come in power. He comes in peace. So just imagine. Jesus is coming down this steep hillside from the Mount of Olives. And he's beginning the climb up the hill, up to the city of Jerusalem. And there were thousands Thousands of pilgrims that are coming to Jerusalem at this time to celebrate the Passover. And Jesus is coming with his own entourage of disciples and the curious that have been following along. The gospel writer John tells us, after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the word spread and more and more people were coming to Jesus. So a huge crowd surrounds Jesus in front of him, behind him, spreading their cloaks and the palm branches on the road and laying out the red carpet for him. That might sound kind of strange to us, but 
Jehu was a king who was proclaimed in Second uh, Kings, and the people spread their cloaks for, on the ground before him as he came into Jerusalem. Not only was it honoring, but it was symbolic of a new king, a new reign. And John tells us also that they carried palm branches and waved them just as our kids did earlier in the service. Can you imagine the noise, the movement, the celebration? Before Jesus' time, before the Romans, a Greek ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, tried to his very best to destroy Judaism and bring the people around to Greek ways of living and Greek ways of worship. He even laid pig meat on the altar in honor of Zeus and made the temple into a brothel. So the Jews, led by the Maccabees, they revolted, and when Jerusalem was retaken and the pagan oppression tossed off, the temple was restored and purified and rededicated. And as they celebrated that rededication of the temple, 2 Maccabees tells us they waved palm branches and sang psalms. Does it sound familiar? Matthew is alluding to a new order, a new king who will purify, purify the temple. And the crowds shout psalms, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. Hosanna, save us. From Psalm 118, O Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A shout of acclamation. A shout of hope from where their help would come and their salvation from the king in the line of David for whom they had expected, the Messiah. Hosanna to the son of David. Save us. So who is this? <laughs> Matthew gives clue after clue, some obvious and some more obscure, but he is saying Jesus is the one. He is the Messiah for whom you have waited the king, the one who will purify the temple. And we may think, reading Matthew, oh, that's of course, that's obvious. But in the Gospel of John, we are told that not even the disciples understood what was really going on here. Only later did they realize the significance of these symbolic symbols and actions of Jesus, how the scriptures had foretold them. When the whole city was stirred and the question was asked, who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Moses had promised in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brethren, listen to him, the prophet. Did they see that Jesus was this promised prophet? Or was being a prophet just the highest accolade that they could think of? What did the people expect 
Jesus to be? What did they expect him to do? What did they want? What did they hope for? Well, they wanted a new king. They wanted a king in the line of David who would overthrow the Roman rulers. And they wanted a savior, a savior from oppression and economic exploitation. And they wanted the temple, the temple to be purified and their religion to be renewed. And they wanted freedom, freedom and a new life. Who is Jesus? Well, Jesus is a king. He's the king of all creation. But he didn't come to overthrow those Roman rulers. He came on a mule, a beast of the common working man, an animal of peace, God on a donkey, (laughs) not conquering by war, but by love. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to him But he comes as a servant, offering his life for us. And after the triumphal entry comes Good Friday, the king they celebrated is going to be mocked on a cross a few days later. We long for a king to come and set things right. But what do we do when all we hear is Good Friday news? Jesus is a savior, but he doesn't just save us from oppression and exploitation. He saves us from our just defective ways of being, our brokenness, from evil in all its forms, from death. But sometimes this means that we have to go to the cross with Jesus, journeying with him in suffering. And Jesus does cleanse the temple. In the next passage, it talks about how he goes into the temple and he clears out all those who were making the temple a marketplace. But then he makes it clear that the old temple is no longer needed because he is the new temple. He is absolutely pure and holy and he is the place where God abides But then he tells us that we are his temple. And he purifies us through his death on the cross. And he renews us, and we are the place where his spirit dwells. But as Jesus had to die for us so we could become his holy temple, we have to die to ourselves, clearing out the marketplace of idols in our souls. And Jesus does bring freedom and new life. He frees us from our obsessions and our selfishness, from our addictions and our guilt. He frees us to live in a new way that extravagantly blesses us and others through us. The deep wounds are healed, the broken parts made whole. Shalom and flourishing are the hallmark. After crucifixion comes resurrection, full life that is true life. So, who do you expect Jesus to be? What do you expect Jesus to do? 
And what do you do when Jesus is not what you expect or hope? I had a sense of how my world and my God should work until my mother died of cancer much too young. And then Jesus confounded me. Was he really good? Could I really trust him? He didn't answer prayers for her to be healed. He didn't take away the pain of my grief. He seemed distant just when I needed him to be close. So what do you expect of Jesus in your life right now? Can you name it? Our Lent group study today is on consumption. Do we expect that if we honor God and follow Jesus, that he should give us a good life, health, wealth, and prosperity? We might kind of chuckle and think with superior disdain, we don't really think that. But do we sometimes push back when we or our loved ones are sick? When we are struggling with loss, with mental illness, with poverty, fill in the blank? (laughs) Do we doubt God when we or our loved ones seem to often get the raw end of the deal? Or maybe we expect Jesus to give us certain spiritual experiences. When mom died, scripture seemed like a foreign language. And my prayers, they just seemed like they were in an echo chamber, bouncing back to mock me. I think that I've shared this story before, but Teresa of Avila was having a horrible, awful, no good, very bad day, and everything was going wrong. And the grand finale was the cart that she was riding in tipped over into the ditch, tossing her into the mud. And her response was, God, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few. (laughs) When Jesus isn't who you expect him to be, how do you respond? Is your faith shaken or deepened? Do you turn away from him? Many in Jerusalem did. After the parade, many just went back to their homes and their lives and their regular routines. Or there were those that by the end of the week were shouting, crucify him. Do you hang on to your faith but feel disillusioned and disappointed, discouraged? Think what it was like for those who celebrated the coming king to see him hanging on a Roman cross or waiting those three days when Jesus was in the tomb. Are you able to hang on to your hosannas until Easter comes? Jesus' disciples, they had to live through those days of darkness, those disappointed hopes, until the extraordinary news came that Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb and people were seeing him alive. But that's the story for next Sunday. 
This week, as was shared in the church calendar, is Holy Week. And it seems to me that it's somewhat illustrative of the many emotions that we can experience in our spiritual lives. Today, we have the hosannas and the dancing children who are celebrating and waving palm branches. Hearts are just full of the celebration and praise. But then there are times when we may wonder, why don't you, why aren't you? We may feel grief and disappointment, disillusionment with Jesus or with Jesus' people when they're not what we expect or what we hope. But for those, for those who press on, for those who have eyes to see beyond the outward show, beyond the circumstances, to grasp the bigger story, the deeper significance, we will experience Easter knowing and following the living God who is beyond, beyond our expectations, beyond our hopes, moving and active in ways that we can never imagine. Jesus, Jesus is the king of creation, a servant offering his life, offering his life for us on the cross. And Jesus is our savior, sacrificing himself so that we, so that we can be healed and whole. And Jesus is the temple where God lives. And he, then he purifies us to be that temple where he lives and Jesus does bring freedom and new life, and he frees us from ourselves to live fully for him. He may not be what we expect him to be. He may not give us the lives that we hope he would give us. We may want the glory, hallelujah, God of praises and parades, or we may just want to have a good time. <laughs> but the bigger story, the bigger story is one of surrender and sacrifice for something much, much more significant. Jesus may not be what we expect or want him to be, but he is the God that we need him to be. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being our king, our savior, the one who purifies us to be our, your temple, where you choose to live, the one who gives us freedom and new life. Thank you for the glory hallelujah days of celebration and joy in our faith. But help us, help us to hold fast when things aren't as we might expect or hope. Help us to see you in the midst of the Good Fridays and the Tomb Days and recognize that you are calling us to deeper places of faith and surrender. May your name be praised. Amen.